Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Um, and yes, it's cold in here. Uh, the heat stopped working uh, either this morning at some point or uh, last night. Uh, we were putting up chairs this morning, and I was like, hmm, that's cold air coming out of there, not hot air. And so, you know, they said, own your own building, and here we are. And uh, so, um, if you're new here, my name is John Wagler, and I'm part of this team, and just grateful you're here today. And we're in this series called Embody, uh, which is really taking a look at a reality for all of us that how we live our lives uh, is a reflection of what it actually we think it means to be human and so uh, we've been taking a look each week and we'll continue for the next you know couple of months with this but uh, we're taking a look at what it means to simply be human to uh, make sure that we don't lose our awe and wonder about our humanness to uh, when, when we come in and we're in situations where we're encountering another human whether that's on the street or uh, you know in an airplane or at work or here at church that uh, we're becoming more aware of how cool it is that you're a human and I'm a human and that there's something so deep to that reality. The fact that you woke up this morning and there was breath in your lungs is an act of God. And to appreciate the fullness of that, it begins to uh, allow us to understand uh, what it means to live properly, um, to see the world property, uh, properly, to, to experience beauty, to understand each other even more. Uh, when you really get into a conversation with someone and it's really about, hey, what's your, what's your life about? What you're talking is not about little facts and figures. It's, it's really about, hey, who are you as a human? How are you experiencing this life as a human? And what does that mean? And so what this, my hope in this series is that by, by, if it hasn't started already, but by the time we get to the end of this, that we're really like, wow, it's amazing that I'm a human. Uh, it's amazing that we're in this life together and appreciate life and that there's a fullness that uh, can be had through it. But there's also another part to that where that fullness can be stripped away simply by how we see the world around us, the actions that we take. And so uh, the, the phrase we've been using each week and will continue is that uh, we embody whatever we worship. All right, so we embody whatever uh, we worship. And, uh, you know, we all worship something. Um, even uh, how many of you guys have an atheist friend or, you know, whatever, you know someone who's an atheist. Like uh, even an atheist uh, worships something. Okay, we all worship something. Uh, there's something that we determine has its greatest value in our lives that directs our conscience, that directs our words, that directs our actions. That is what we worship, all right? And so in an ideal world, from a Christian perspective, it's like, who do we worship? Jesus. All right. Well, all right. So, uh, you, so when you guys woke up this morning, you're like, hey, I'm gonna go to church. And, like, and at a church, at a Christian church, there's this guy named Jesus. And at one point, he like died and rose again. And like he made the difference in everything in the world. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that 99% of you knew that. Um, and so in an ideal world, from a Christian perspective, who do we worship? Jesus. There we, wow. All right. There we go. That feels much better. Um, that Jesus becomes a centering point of our lives, that Jesus uh, is what we worship. And, and, and listen, and here is just the reality. When that becomes true, other people see it in us. It's not like you start, 
having Jesus at the center of your life and no one notices. When Jesus is at the center of your life, it's, it's impossible for people not to notice because you will live a life that is counter to the entire culture around you. And there'll be something different about the way you carry yourself, um, the way you see other people, the way you see your own life. It, it changes everything. And I understand that there's been people who have hurt others um, that have said they, they were worshiping Jesus or whatever. And I get all that stuff. But at the core level, when you begin to see what it means to really follow Jesus, and we're going to look at that today, um, it changes everything. And so um, each dynamic to this is, is, is critical to understand what we worship. Um, do you guys remember uh, that season of time uh, where everyone was like doing hashtag blessed? And uh, it was annoying, I think. Like, I, 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 yeah, I was. Uh, and um, whenever this, this word blessed comes up, uh, it's an interesting uh, phrase of how we take it. So um, I want you to turn to the person next to you and, or the, multiple people, and I want you to just give them one word. When you think of blessed, what's one word that comes to your mind when you think of blessed? Just, you just tell them, just whatever it is. And, don't, and now don't say Jesus just because we did that before, all right? <laughs> So there's probably, there's probably one word or a phrase or there could be multiple words when you think about this idea of being blessed. And what's fascinating about being blessed is so often we think about this, oh, I got a promotion, I'm blessed. Oh, I got more money, I'm blessed. Oh, look at me, I'm really healthy, I'm blessed. And you kind of like put it, oh, look, I just got uh, engaged. I'm blessed. I, like we, we use all these phrases. It doesn't mean that you're not in those scenarios. But isn't it interesting that sometimes, sometimes uh, people get engaged to the wrong person, marry the wrong person, and they were actually never blessed. <laughs> sometimes you got a job that you never actually prayed about and God actually isn't in it. But you're saying like, ooh, God blessed me. And like God wasn't in that. Ooh, I just got more money and I'm now more greedy. You think that's a blessing? So even how we think about this word blessed, we have to be like really careful on what it actually means. And so um, sometimes we, you know, it's like, it's just health and wealth and promotions, all the things. And at the end of the day, that what culture has determined blessed is, is getting what we want because it makes me happy. Because that's just what I desire. And when what we want is at the center of our blessing, then guess what that means? Who else is at the center of our blessing or our worship? We are. And so it's understanding that this idea of being blessed might mean something different than that. Now, it might mean at certain points that it was that promotion you got. It might mean that, man, that friendship or your engagement or whatever. It might mean that at certain times too. But it's important to understand how the Bible talks about being blessed. Um, we're here blessed in other different ways. Like if, if, someone, say, if someone sneezes, you say, God bless you, right? Um, that comes from a, a couple of different thoughts like in a long, long time ago. Um, at one point, it was the Middle Ages where the, the plague was around. And, the, and uh, uh, when someone would sneeze, they would know. They were like, you're done. And so they would say, uh, bless you, right? Bless you because you're about to die. And, uh, you know, and it's like, man, I just have allergies. But like, it's like, no, it's like you're about to die. Um, another way that that came about, um, I, was, I was reading about this, um, was they used to believe that when you sneeze, your soul left your body. 
And so they would say, God bless you, so the devil didn't snatch it up. And so um, it goes way back um, with that. Um, but another way that we see um, being blessed is when you say, oh, bless their heart, right? Which is very condescending. Um, we have a prayer and, and, and a blessing, obviously. And then, uh, and then when, uh, uh, when a proposal, a marriage proposal is about to happen, right? Uh, the, the guy is supposed to go to the family um, and, uh, of his soon-to-be fiance and ask for the blessing. And some of you guys are like, that seems old-fashioned. I think, man, I'll tell you what. If my daughter, Nevaeh, gets married, the dude who's going to marry her, guess who he's going to talk to before that happens, right? And if he doesn't, that's a shot on him and who he is. Same thing with Ruby. And so, um, and guess what? If Max decides to get married, guess what he's going to do? He's going to go talk to the family. Not because of some patriarchal system or anything like that. It's because it is a sacred thing to do, and you treat it as it's sacred, and so that reality is like you are actually putting into to context. It's like, yeah, you want a blessing because it's sacred. It's a sacred thing. And so, um, and so we, we see that as really. So there's blessing in terms of how we see it. Now, um, the Bible uh, doesn't talk about blessing in the same way. And I want to talk about that today. And we're going fo- to do this over the next couple of weeks just around this idea of blessing. And... Um, we're going to take just a journey through the Bible today. So if you're not uh, familiar with your Bible, uh, it's okay. I will I'll keep you in the loop uh, as best as I can. And um, if you've been here for any length of time, you know I like to do this every once in a while with a, with a theme. And so uh, I want you to see what happens with blessing in Scripture uh, because I think it'll start changing our view of what it means to actually be blessed. So when you think about this idea of blessing, here's the first thing I want you to think through. Blessing is not about following rules or formula. It's about experiencing the presence of God. The reason why that is important is because if you think it's about a formula, meaning I prayed about it so I deserve it, then if you don't get it, you're going to blame God. If things don't work out the way you wanted it to, you're going to blame God. It's all his fault. Um, or you can be really judgmental of someone else who's not doing it by your formula and something works out in their life that you would hope it worked out in yours. And so it's important to understand that blessing in Scripture is not about following a certain set of rules or about some specific uh, formula um, that happens. Also, um, again, I want to highlight that um, the reason why it's not about rules or a formula is because, um, again, if you get something that God was actually never in and you're giving him credit, it's taking the Lord's name in vain. So just like process that for a second. You know, it's like, man, um, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just got all this money. I've never been generous in my life, but um, so now I got all this money to be more greedy with. And like, God blessed me. I'm like, he did not. I was like, if God was going to respond to your greed, he would have taken your money away. And so, uh, so it's, again, it's just important to kind of phrase blessing and understand blessing in the right kind of way. So let's go, uh, I'm going to highlight a few verses here. So in the beginning story of creation, we've been in here the first couple of weeks, but in the, in the creation story, um, we see this idea of blessing that, that comes about. So God's in the process of creating the world, and uh, here's what he says, God blessed them and said, be what? And increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Then in another verse, in uh, verse 28, the same chapter. So he's talking about this with the animals. He's like, God blesses the animals in creation. He's like, hey, be fruitful and multiply. And then Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed 
them and said to them, be what? And increase in number. Fill the earth and do what? So with humans, there's a different command than with animals. So there's a fruitfulness that is similar. Um, there's a multiplication that is similar about creating life and everything, and it's all similar. Um, but to humans, it's like, oh, but to subdue the earth, meaning to take care of the earth, to uh, make sure it flourishes, to create new life on the earth, to rule in the same way that God would have us rule, and to be in partnership with God around of subduing the earth. That, that was, that's what it means to like live out a blessing, is to be fruitful and to multiply. And so we see like right on the front end that, that our lives are like, oh, hold on a second. I gotta pay attention to what it actually means to be fruitful, what it actually means to multiply, and to understand that that's how I live in this framework of what God means uh, to be blessed. In uh, chapter two of Genesis, it says this. Then God did what? Huh, the seventh day and made it holy because on it he what? from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, something really important here. There's multiple things, but um, we begin to see that what God did, he's like, oh, I'm gonna bless this day, the seventh day. Um, in, the, in the creation story, it's the only day that never ends. And so there's no end to the seventh day in the creation story. And so, um, and so that kind of throws a wrench in the whole literal day thing a little bit too. But, uh, the, uh, but there's no end to the, to the seventh day. And the God says, I'm going to bless this. I'm going to make this holy. So there's something about that, uh, that exact time period of like, God is blessed and says, be fruitful. And he comes in. He's like, it's not because he's tired. He's setting up this rhythm of life for people. This rhythm of what creation looks like. This idea that when we are blessed by God, we find rest. That we start seeing these days as holy. That we understand the rhythms of how we're supposed to live our lives. And so we see that God is in that and that there's a blessing that becomes part of that as we are connected to God in that. So I want you to remember, be fruitful and remember multiplication and also this idea of finding rest. So we see that that's the rhythm that the Bible starts taking when it starts talking about what it means to be connected to being blessed. Now in Genesis chapter three, uh, Adam and Eve are, are, are at the tree to make a decision to eat the fruit, which God told them not to do. So they break the boundaries. And then all of a sudden, the language in the Bible starts to change. Um, some of you guys that might be familiar with the Bible, you know, it goes, um, it, the language goes from, from blessing. What's the opposite of that? Anyone know? Curse. So all of a sudden, you start seeing there's these two things at play. And this is a theme. Once you see it here, you will see it in every story you read in the Bible about everybody. You'll start seeing it. It's like, oh, they had a chance to choose blessing, but they chose curse. You start seeing it everywhere. This is the theme, like from beginning to the end of the Bible. You start seeing, oh, there's a way to be blessed, but we have a choice to live out in a blessing or to live out a curse. And so even for every human that's in here, we have a choice every single day we wake up to be like, am I going to live out a blessing today or am I going to live out a curse? And there's not an in-between. The Bible just talks about there's blessing and there's a curse. And we have choice to engage uh, each one. In Genesis chapter uh, 4, um, there's this language that, that you start seeing with this idea of curse. And so this guy uh, named Cain, uh, who is the son, uh, one of the sons of Adam and Eve, 
and uh, Cain and Abel were the two sons. Well, Cain, um, part of his story is he ends up killing Abel. It's the first murder that we see uh, in the Bible. And so God comes to, to Cain, and look what he says to him. It's interesting. He says, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. It's setting the example that whenever there's um, a curse associated with an action or violence or war, that the blood of people cry out to God from the ground. Because it's not the way it should be. And so he says, now you are under a curse because of your actions, driven from the ground. God's not cursing Cain. He's just saying, you, you are under it because you're choosing it which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the, the ground, it will no longer yield its crops, so there's no fruit. You will be what? What did he say when, when on the seventh day God did what? Rested. But when we choose the curse, we become restless. Uh, I don't even want you to raise your hand, but I, I know a lot of people in the room are, have stress and anxiety and are overworked, and it's like burned out, and I can't find rest in the way I live, and it's like, well, guess why that happens? We're not choosing the blessing, we're choosing the curse. Some of you guys that might lead people in, at, your, at your jobs, your teams, or you, have a, you own your own business, or whatever, ask yourself, am I setting up my company for a blessing or a curse? And we start seeing this, that we're choosing how to do it. He says, again, you will be restless, a wanderer, meaning you have no focus, you have no centering point throughout the earth when we choose a curse. See, a curse is a forfeit of the blessing. It's a, a curse that doesn't yield fruit or rest or freedom. Uh, and even this curse, um, what's interesting as the story continues on, as we start seeing that this curse becomes generational, meaning we inherit an element of how the curse works. Um, and guess what? That has never stopped. So in our family lines, all of us have, have family members and certain things about our families where the curse was chosen. And then we receive some of that. Now, you can fight against it and you choose a blessing in spite of it and all that stuff, but, but we see the way that happens. It doesn't mean that you're automatically going to do the same things. But some of us know that within our family lines that maybe you've seen generations, there was tons of divorce that happened and everyone gets divorced. Or maybe adultery starts happening or maybe there's alcoholism or maybe there's all these different things like, man, it's crazy. Someone's got to put a stop to this in my family line. And all you're saying in that moment of like, man, man, I've had a bunch of alcoholics in my family and it's like, it stops with me. What are you doing in that moment? You're choosing a blessing instead of a curse. And so... We see that this reality starts playing itself out across the, the realm of humanity, of choosing to be a blessing or a curse. Um, a curse kind of manifests itself in four ways. Um, in trauma, and that could be capital T trauma or lowercase t trauma that we see. Um, in self-deception, where you begin to uh, believe lies about yourself that just aren't true. God does not say them about you, um, but you believe them anyway. Addiction, and then uh, through idols or distractions, things that uh, orient your worship in a different direction. What you're choosing is, you're not choosing a blessing, you're choosing a curse. And I know sometimes uh, people will be like, that's harsh language, that's either blessing or curse. And, and, I, and I think it's important sometimes to embrace the harshness of language. 
Like, you guys know that I'm all for grace and uh, people's process, and we're all on a journey together and kind of ebb and flow in that journey. Um, but I do think it's important that sometimes uh, to understand that it's important to be like, oh, I'm actually choosing the way of the curse. And just say it. Because it, instead of just being like, I'm just like figuring things out right now. I'm just kind of doing my own thing and, and just see what happens. And, and I'm just kind of go my own way. And it's like, it's, if you want to do that, that's your choice. But like, let's just be honest with ourselves. We're just choosing the way of the curse. Sometimes I'm not saying in a judgmental way. I'm just saying just to understand the weight of both of those things is important. So we see, all right, this is how it begins to, to work out. What's cool about the story of the Bible and about who God is, is that God is always coming in. He's like, hold on, I want to reverse this curse. I'm going to give you guys a way to reverse this curse, reverse this curse, reverse this curse, reverse this curse. I'm going to keep putting it in front of you. Come on, come on, come on. And, uh, and, and at some point, like, it's going to do it. So in this story, in Genesis chapter, you know, it kind of continues on. And then you guys know in Genesis chapter 6, the flood happens. And it's like God is like, he doesn't take away the the curse for all humanity. He's like, let me interrupt this so that it can be reoriented. And then it kind of continues on and the story is like God keeps entering in and giving people a way to figure it out. Well, uh, in Genesis chapter 12 is like a big deal because we just actually sang about this when that first line of promises, the God of Abraham, right? Like, so Abraham becomes a, a really important figure in, uh, in scripture. And God has this interaction with Abraham and and uh, eventually, Abraham and his uh, wife, Sarah, and uh, they didn't have any kids. And, and kids, the multiplication, the be fruitful and multiply part of having kids was, was supposed to be like, man, you knew you were blessed if you were able to have kids. Well, Abraham and Sarah were not able to have kids um, at that point in their life. And it was not until Abraham was 99 years old um, that he was able to have kids. I was 41 when Ruby was born. I was like, oh, man, I'm so old like for this. Like, I'm kind of tired, and we've done this before, and, you know, I can't imagine 99 being like, all right, we're going to train this child, but uh, that was Abraham's story, and so, but God made this promise to Abraham, and it's really interesting because, again, God's intervention here and what he's setting up to reverse the curse. He says this to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So understand, see, God's doing all these things. It doesn't say Abraham's going to do these things. It's like, God's going to bless. God will make your name great. God will do this. He's like, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Meaning, the system has been set up to allow people to, to make their choices, and so he's going to allow people to choose the curse. If they come against you, like he's going to allow it to happen. He goes, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. He says, I will make you a great nation. Uh, that nation uh, takes on the name of Israel, not that far after this. And so it become God's people. And here's what the God's people are supposed to be, a blessing to all the other nations. So God's nation was a blessing to other nations. That thought in and of itself makes the Bible like the opposite of every ancient writing ever. Because no one, and I mean no one, ever wrote a nation should be a blessing to a nation, another nation. A nation was always trying to take over another nation, another people's group. And so what we see is that, man, even what God is setting up about his people is like, this is very different than anything else that is out there, this idea of being a blessing. So he continues on uh, with this. And I want you to think about this. When we try to get a blessing on our own terms, we become a curse. 
You see, here's what happens in the storyline. Abraham and Sarah um, choose their own way before they come back around to God, and they chose a curse. And they come back to his blessing, but at first they did, and they, and they robbed themselves of some of the blessing from God. Um, a guy named Saul, who is a king in the Bible, and he is anointed by God, has this blessing by God, but he chooses to go his own way, he chooses to have a curse, and then that anointing is stripped away from him. Uh, David, who comes after Saul, right? It says he's, got, he's a man of God's own heart. And he had a lot of things where he was connected to God and he wanted the presence of God. He longed for the presence of God, but he kept choosing violence. He was an incredibly violent man. And so the very thing that he longed to do, which was build the temple to house the presence of God, God said, you cannot do that because you've been so violent. So he chose the curse in certain elements that robbed himself of the fullness of the blessing. Uh, Solomon, who came after uh, David, one of his sons, uh, Solomon was, uh, was known for his great what? His wisdom, right? Um, but yet, at the same time, Solomon chooses the way of the curse by using uh, slaves to build the temple. Solomon is a part of a, a line of people who used to be enslaved, and then now he, he enslaves people himself, uses them to, to build a temple, and then he has a thousand concubines and wives, and he lacks, ends up lacking wisdom. He chooses a curse. So when we try to get a blessing on our own terms, we become a curse. So we fast forward to Jesus, and when Jesus comes in and he steps in and he's like... Hey, I'm going to re- reroute all of this to show you what it means to be a blessing, to show you what it means to engage people uh, around you in the right way and not choose curses. So part of Jesus' story mirrors the story of the Genesis story in creation. So Jesus becomes tempted, and uh, he says, no, I- I'm not going to buy into the curse you're offering. I'm going to choose to be a blessing and understand the blessing. And so Jesus says, like, I'm, I'm going to abandon that. And he steps in as Jesus kind of gathers his followers and his, his disciples. And, and he has this one sermon called the Sermon on the Mount and, and this collection of, like, of, of all of his best hits, basically. And, uh, and I want you, to, 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 re- I want you to, re- to hear what he says about what it means to be blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That is hashtag blessed. That's what it means to be blessed. Jesus says, let me show you and tell you. I'm going to live this out and show you what it means to be blessed. I'm also going to teach you what it means to be blessed. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it means to be blessed. You can choose not to do that, but if you choose to not do that, you are living under a what? Curse. So this is what it means to be blessed. Jesus, um, he continues on. Eventually, he ends up uh, dying at one point because people got so mad at what he was saying. And uh, here's what one of the other writers in scripture talks about, about him. He says, Christ redeemed us from the what? In law, by becoming a curse uh, for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the spirit. 
And so we start seeing that, oh, Jesus became the curse, comes, takes on this idea of being a curse so that we can actually receive the blessing or choose to be blessed, choose to, to, to live this life under the blessing. He goes, and when we do that, we have the promise of the spirit, the presence of God that will be with us. Now here's what's fascinating, just what the Bible does. Remember in Genesis chapter one, it said, to be what? Multiply. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, um, gentleness, and self-control. And so they're, they're tapping all this into that. You want to be fruitful and multiply, then you live by the Spirit of God. And that your life starts to model. You want to know what it means to be blessed? Then you have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's blessing. That's what it means to live it out. That's what it means to, to understand. If we don't have these things, then... We live under the curse. Eventually what happens is we start seeing, all right, Jesus, he dies, he's resurrected. And, and here's what he ends up doing and here's what we end up seeing in his story is this, is that when we live out of blessing, we reverse the curse. So when Jesus teaches that and what he shows us about in the Sermon on the Mount and when we understand that as the Spirit of God is working in us, that's real fruit. We start living in this blessing and that's, that's real that starts to reverse the curse. It reverses the effects of sin. It reverses the, the things that take us away from God. It reverses everything. It changes the whole culture. It changes the whole dynamic. I remember, um, so you guys know I'm a huge Red Sox fan, and in 2004, this whole like reverse the curse thing when they won the World Series. And um, was that God ordained? Sure, but like it's like, uh, <laughs> it's, it changed everything. You know, like so, if, if you think about this, like prior to that, you know, the Yankees were, um, I mean, you know, they won the most World Series and, and everything, and they were part of the whole curse thing and the storyline. But, uh, but that, since that point, like the Red Sox have won more World Series than the Yankees in the last, you know, 22 years. And so it is, uh, it, at that point, like it shifted everything. It shifted, there's something that, that shifts in it. So in the same way, in the same way, it's like, oh, when we live out of this blessing, we live in the fruit, it's like it reverses the curse of everything. That's the fruit. That's the multiplication. That's what it means to create, to bring life. And I know, it's like, yeah, but there's still cancer, and there's still death, and there's still suffering, and, and all that. And I, and I totally understand that. Here's how the Bible speaks to that. This is at the very end of the Bible in the Revelation. It says this, no longer will there be a what? Upon anything. The throne of God and Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. And so we understand the reality of that there's this piece of the curse that still is, is here. But the way we live is we live out of the blessing and of the hope that we have that it's all going to be made right. That's what we find. And then we, we have this choice to be involved in this blessing or the curse. And so I just want to highlight one thing as I close here today. Because I started writing down a bunch of different things about this idea of blessing or curse in our lives. And, and uh, you think about this. Is a child a blessing or a curse? A blessing. I know. Sometimes his parents are like, I don't know, man. And, uh, but they're, they're a blessing. If you think of a child as a curse in any way, you will be free to abandon it or justify anything you do to a child. So it's like, no, a child is a blessing. You think about something like creative order, is climate change a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. And again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago that, man, during COVID, we saw 
Creation was speaking to us to stop. And so it's like, oh, we see that climate, things like climate change are a curse. Is war a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. I understand war happens, but it's a curse. It's living in the curse. I, I get it. Like war is heaven, but it's a response to the reality of curse. Is gossip, lying, name calling a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. Is pornography a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. Is greed a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. Think about even like the political season that's coming up. Um, you're gonna, we already see this obviously, but like it's wild to think, you know, there's gonna be some candidates that really dehumanize other people all the time and talk so poorly about people. And, um, and in that dehumanization, it's like, oh, they're, they're, they're blatantly and loudly saying we're choosing the curse. And it's wild that Christians would support anyone that would choose the curse. So even like paying attention to how people talk and the words that they're using, it's like I get the lesser of two evils thing and all that stuff, man. But like, man, can we as Christians like pause for a second and understand what we're doing in our support of things? And so it's like understanding what's transpiring uh, in the midst of that. Um, I want to end with this. When I asked you if greed is a blessing or a curse, um, everyone says uh, it's a curse. This is a funny thing uh, because the numbers would say statistically throughout the church, I mean global church, um, the numbers would say you know, only a fraction of people are actually generous. So even though we all say greed is a curse, um, we don't actually respond that way out of blessing. And so um, I just wanted to highlight um, a little bit here of just what it means to be a blessing. And you have to excuse me, y'all. Um, I thought my antibiotics were working, but apparently not. Um, in Leviticus 19, in the Old Testament, Jesus says, or God sets up this way for God's people to live in, in his nation, which was, uh, hey, if you've got crops and you've got uh, your, your farm is working and everything, uh, here's what you do. Uh, you leave stuff for people that are hurting. You're generous with what you have, that God's people do this. You're, you're generous with what you have. And so you leave the crops in the field, and here's what else you do. You actually teach those people how to farm, and you teach those people how to do this. Like, that's part of, like, like and, and so what that does is make sure you can't get but so rich and so wealthy, and, uh, and that makes sure, like, hey, that those that are poor or hurting or don't know, that have a rough life, like, you're stepping in and, and, and answering the bell there. Like God sets it up that way for his people to be, to, to be generous because generosity is a blessing. Greed is a curse. So then uh, in, they have a year of jubilee that's also in there, which is like every 50 years, if, if you're like a super good, like if, if, if Mark's an awesome businessman and I'm not, and he takes all of my land because I'm just inept at doing it. And Mark has like all of these things. He has all my livestock. He has everything. Mark is like, wags, like just, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And so for the next 49 years, like I'm going to teach you how to build this. And so at, at year 50, like Mark's like, here's all of your land back to your family. Because guess what? Like I've made wealth and I've got wealth and everything. He's like, now I just don't want you or your family, your next generations to be that way. So I'm going to give you all your, all your land back. And, like, and here's how you're supposed to do it. And so this year of Jubilee of kind of replenishing because generosity is a blessing, uh, not a curse. 
Later on, for God's people, he institutes this thing called a tithe. Um, that was specific to that grouping of people, but uh, he, it was 10%. That's what a tithe actually means. So like 6% isn't a tithe. T- tithe actually means 10%. And uh, God actually is talking to his people. He's like, I told you you're supposed to be a blessing, not a curse. And the people were like not tithing. They weren't doing that. They weren't being generous. And, and God actually responds to his people uh, really interesting. He says this, will mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. And he says, you are under a what? Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Just right after that, he goes, but if you switch your ways, it changes. All the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. So we start seeing, it's like, oh, like this calling for God's people to be generous. In another passage, it says this in uh, in Psalm 112, 5, says, God will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, meaning greedy, but they pray God's blessing on the one who's willing to sell and be involved. And so I just wanted to end with this today. Um, you know, there's a, a large part of our community that is, is actually, like, very generous. I mean, we've done so many good things uh, throughout uh, the community. But I wanted to just give some perspective, maybe, on generosity and a blessing. Um, it's funny. The heat went out. Guess what that costs? Money, right? And so, um, but there's an element of, like, uh, just the reality of an organization as, as a church, right? So um, how many of you guys have done discipleship? Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of people have done discipleship. Discipleship um, starts with the staff of people um, through your amazing generosity of the staff that had this vision that put it together that then increasing and then they build these teams and they have these coaches and they train these coaches and keep up with these coaches and then, uh, and then there's curriculum and then there's design and then and the cool part is like the original blessing um, becomes a bigger blessing as it kind of builds out and then that blessing becomes more uh, becomes a lot bigger because now it's going out into the, the city um, as a blessing but it started off as a blessing of kind of like with the staff that started there. Um, if you have kids upstairs, this isn't just babysitting, right? And, and so the kids ministry that's upstairs that is teaching your child about Jesus loving them, what a blessing. You being able to sit in here without your child today for an hour and five minutes is a blessing, right? And, and so uh, it, it's a blessing. But where did that start off with Car and Marianne and her team and the others like as, as kind of as a blessing and it builds out and to be a blessing and they have these teams and kind of the blessing, the blessing, it kind of piles on each other. But there's generosity that goes into that. It's not like we're, we're on the side, have this like marketing thing that's happening and we're making all this money or have this huge endowment. And so it's, it's, it's a blessing. Um, in middle school and high school ministry, it's the same thing. It, it, it's a blessing. Um, you guys being able to be in here today and, and the fact that we do own this building now, what a blessing it can be because um, I was up here uh, a couple of Mondays ago and there were hundreds of kids here. And then there were dis- discipleship groups and uh, like going on and all this stuff was happening in the building. It was like this huge buzz. I'm like, man, this building is being a blessing to this community. It's not just about us, but it requires like our generosity to be a blessing together to kind of go out. Um, Lacey and I are, are paid, you know, by the church to, to work here. We've got, we've got a staff of 14 people, but we all give back in, in our tithes to the church, right? We, we set the example because what? We, we know the blessing becomes a blessing back, and, and this is how it begins to work. 
And so think about all the money we've given, we've given away. Uh, millions of dollars in our first nine and a half years of existence it is a blessing to this city. But the reason that this matters, there's all these things that, that come into play. The reason this matters is because you are sitting next to someone. If this is your home church, if you're just visiting today, um, you are free of charge. Like it's like, it's, uh, don't, worry about, don't worry about anything I'm saying right now. But if this is your home church, and you come here, it's like you're sitting next to someone else who you really hope is generous. Because that person next to you, if they're generous, guess what? They're being a blessing. If you're generous, you are being what? A blessing. If we're not, if you're sitting next to someone who's not generous, then they're what? Choosing to be a curse. And I get it. There's a lot of things that go into this, and I understand. But I just want you guys to know um, the importance of kind of engaging all of this together, that we can be a bigger blessing to the city, that we can be a bigger blessing to one another. Like, to be able to come into a room, it's like, man, we're all a blessing to one another. Like, that vibe, people will feel that. It's like, we're all a blessing to one another. This is wonderful. We won't do it perfectly. It's like, so, so if this is your home church, yeah, we, we want you to be involved in this way and to, to choose to be a blessing. We have a day school that we were able to purchase. It's been a blessing to so many families. If we can move it here uh, and we can double it in size and be a blessing to far more families in this city, that's where your generosity goes to. And so this is what starts to play out. We've been able to help people with their bills and help people buy a car, help people help them get jobs and help, I mean, so many different things. Be a blessing it comes through your generosity and being a part of it. And so um, here would be my ask. I just, I, I would just say this. I think you just need to have a moment. It's like, I'm gonna choose a percentage, whatever that is. I'm not gonna tell you what percentage it is. Um, but if this is your home place, and listen, if you're in a financial situation that, man, it is, it's just really, really, really difficult, I get it. Like, there's a season for that stuff, and I get it. But if that's not you, um, and this is like your home, like, these are your home people, and you look at one another, it's like, man, I want, I, in my ideal for our community, like, every single person that calls Hill City home would look at it. Every single other person who calls Hill City home is like, you're a blessing, I'm a blessing, she's a blessing, he's a blessing. You kind of just go, it's like, we're all, we're all just blessings. And then when someone else comes in here, they're like, you walked into a land of blessing and you feel it and you know it. And so I just, just choose a percentage and just be consistent with it. And then just watch what happens. In your own life, in your own heart, you become part of God's story of blessing. If you have questions about any of it, like feel free to reach out to us. Like we can talk through all of it. But I want that to be just ingrained in who we are, so that we are choo- <laughs> excuse me, are choosing to be fruitful, choosing to multiply, choosing uh, to be a blessing. Let's pray. Uh, God, um, the language of blessing and curse is important, and we're going to talk about this more next week, uh, just about our words, uh, about what it means to be a committed community together. Our language is important, I think, on the front end, but just kind of feeling the weight of this, of what I'm choosing every single day. Am I choosing to be a blessing, or am I choosing to be a curse? And listen, every person in this room ebbs and flows a little bit out of that, depending on the day.
But God, I pray that we will want to be a blessing. That at the heart of our community is to be a blessing to the city, to be a blessing to one another, to be just this enormous blessing to, um, and, and watch it be fruitful and watch it multiply because God, your hand would be in it. And so, um, God, we know that you bless generosity far more than we could ever, ever know. And so, um, God, I just pray that um, we will all take another step in this together to just be a blessing, um, to be a part of continuing to make this community what it is, continuing to see the work that you're doing, continuing to um, just make a difference, uh, not only for the people that come and are part of all the different things that we do to be a blessing in that way, but um, to be able to do so much more work um, out in this city, to be a blessing to everyone else. Um, God, we just love you and thank you and um, appreciate the commands you put on our lives. Thank you, Tune in and we pray everyone said, amen. amen. Um, if you're new, we'd love to meet you on your way out. If you want prayer, there'll be people uh, here. Uh, Team of Palooza is January 28th if you want to learn what it means to serve here. Um, if you guys do want to learn what it means to give, you can go online. Um, it's easy enough to do. I love you all uh, uh, so much. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next week. <laughs>